Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Hey, oh, oh boy. Well, dress in the bag. Now what? Well, <laughs> it was a night of a thousand cliches. Of a million tweets, and the real MVP was Woj with his thesaurus. Shout out, Woj. <laughs> we, we are talking, of course, about the 2018 NBA draft. Dan, what was the highlight of the night for you? Um, the Kings kinging it and taking Bagley <laughs> over Doncic. The Suns seemingly out of nowhere getting Mikhail Bridges. John Hammond in, in Orlando sticking to his tried-and-true method of draft as much wingspan as possible. Um. Oh, and Dallas turning into a must-see league pass team by adding Doncic uh, to pair with uh, Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. It's gonna gonna be gonna be some fun teams to watch outside of Portland next season. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm super excited for Dallas. I think that is gonna. I think that's the a great landing spot for Doncic. I mean, they have um, get the I wise mean, old sage and, and Dirk not the kind of guy who really, I mean, he's just not really a rookie kind of coach and Doncic isn't really a rookie. So I think that it'll be a, he'll be, he's just ready to go. He's ready. He's like, a, I show I imagine him as like a businessman showing up in his suit, like, you know, ready to get, get to work. And it feels like he can do that. But have you seen Dallas. the photos of Carlisle with Doncic? They're like, they're like honeymoon photos, the way he's looking at him. <laughs> like, Wouldn't he, you? Yeah. I mean, he like, <laughs> Like he found like the fountain of youth. It's like, like drafting Doncic has, has added ten years of youth to Carlisle. Like he's just smiling everywhere. Like look what I got. Uh, uh, uh. He, he, he just looks <laughs> oh, thrilled. Things are changing in Texas, isn't it? Just interesting to see how things are going in Texas with all the uncertainty in San Antonio and uh, you know Houston having been on the rise last year and now. Here comes Dallas. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to keep our eyes on. How do you feel? Do you feel like? Um, Phoenix Suns had a good night. It feels oh, the to me like Suns they had, had a good had night. It feels like they're got, they night. got some things done, I mean, <laughs> taken care of. DeAndre Ayton was the most sure thing in the draft as far as going number one. Uh, everybody knew kind of the Kings were on the clock as soon as the, the Suns got the number one overall pick. And then to be able to swing a deal for Bridges, now you've got a four-man lineup of Devin Booker, Bridges, Josh Jackson, and DeAndre Ayton, and then insert forward or guard here. That's... That's a hell of a core. You got to give got to give the Suns some credit because at least on paper, they're doing things right with how they've drafted recently. 
You know, I thought you were going to talk more about highlights being things like um, Woj uh, tipping, not tipping all of the picks Woj was in great. such a glorious manner. <laughs> you know what, though? We got to shout out Mark Stein here because all the other networks had the uh, the mum is the rule kind of thing going. And Stein, because he's not, you know, locked into any of those those <laughs> obligations, was mm-hmm. just tweeting everything out. And it was like yeah. all the other guys realized, like, oh God, Woj isn't held back, by, or uh, Stein isn't held back by any of this. We got to get going. So Woj found his way around it by not saying the pick out and about, but using the most sublime and artistic way possible, lasering in on picks and focusing on and eyes locked on and. God, I mean, not disinterested in. Yeah, I mean, he was <laughs> he even got just, the double negatives out. It was awesome. <laughs> like, I, I wonder if that was all him doing that, or or if you know somebody else gave that idea to him. But wherever it came up from, it was just mwah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's just one of the. It's one more of those little things that makes the NBA such a special league, especially when you look around at all of the other leagues and all of the trouble and tr- trials and tribulations they are going through. And it's not like everything in the NBA is perfect, but there's just these certain little things that they just really hit it out of the ballpark. I shouldn't use a baseball analogy. They just really put it through the hoop. <laughs> I guess they did great shooting hoops things. Yeah. Well, the other storyline that really gripped me and I think uh, hit a lot of people was the Mikhail Bridges story about him being drafted by the 76ers. His hometown team. so glorious. And that beautiful, wonderful, sweet interview with him and his mom. And she was so excited because she was staying in town. And she's the VP of, what, Human Resources at the 76ers. And it was just so great. It was She was so happy. And they were just, like, so adorable. And then he goes off and does all his press. And there's, like, an hour's worth of just, as I understand it, just, like, solid interviews, one right after the other, right after the other. And on Twitter, like we all saw that he'd been traded and somebody would be like, Mikhail Bridges is still doing interviews. He still thinks he's playing for the 76ers. And then like 10 minutes later, it'd be like, Bridges still thinks he's playing for the 76ers. And it was just so heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, for a guy who's, I wonder how he took it when he found out. I mean, a guy who's from Pennsylvania played his ball at Villanova, won a national Mm -hmm. championship at Villanova. Mm-hmm. getting drafted by his hometown team. I mean, people can say what they want. Guys are making millions. They'll be happy anywhere. Yeah, but you can be happier places. Well, especially with your mom. Right? I she mean, works there. <laughs> and not just that. Like, geographically, you really can't get that much further away than Phoenix. Right. Uh, originally, I thought that he'd been traded to Sacramento. So, Phoenix, like in the grand scheme of things, maybe it's not so bad. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I mean, if you're asking me, like, where <laughs> and he's go? going to a good team, and he will, it will be a good fit. Well, but, good teams, uh, yeah. good teams, all relative, and the and the Suns certainly are dysfunctional as hell too. But um, not being wrapped up in the, in the Kings right now, the Kings not taking Doncic still just they, that that was one of the biggest storylines for me. Taking Bagley, but hey. 
Yeah. It's kings. Well, let's let's uh let's laser focus in on the Blazer draft picks for now. All right. Um, talk a little bit about the guys that um are the newest Trailblazers. So first of all, we had Amphrey Simons. Simons. Your colleague Simons. Joe not, Simons. Not is Simmons. Very excited. I've already heard so many guys that are just like Anthony Simmons, and I'm like, he's not Ben Simmons' cousin, folks. It's Simons. No, it's Simons. It's one M. One M. You'd think that'd be easy, um, but yet. It happens quite often. But yes, Joe that Simons. Like one of the first reading rules that I remember is like if there's one M, it's I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember anymore. I just I've internalized it so much. The anyway, big story Simons here is, is Joe making Simons. your colleague Joe Simons very excited because <laughs> he can go out and buy a Simons jersey. Yes. That's a Blazers outsider Joe Simons. Um, so the Blazers took him at number 24. And the interesting thing about Simons, most people probably already know this, but uh, he did not go to college. He was actually supposed to go to Louisville, but he decommitted after the NCAA scandal took hold and Rick Pitino left that program. Good choice. So he was at a place where he could have decided to go to another school, but he decided to stay at IMG. So um, there's a great article in Blazers Edge today by Steve DeWald about the types of thing, like what his day was like as a, as a post, post-graduate program mm-hmm. um, at the academy. So he basically took a college class and then worked out and trained, played basketball, took a variety of other like kind of like mindful classes to like get his mind focused and everything. So it's pretty unique. And I, you know, I wonder how many, if others will follow in his footsteps. Um, but so what are your thoughts about Anthony Simons? So Simons is a kid who the game comes to very naturally, very easy. Um, he's smooth. He's explosive. He's a scorer. Um, and, and with all that in mind, I think he's going to be a good player, but he's a few years away. Physically, I know that here, this, this podcast sounds like it could be this taken from the last theme. year. A few years away from a few years away. Yeah, so... It's not that his game really needs to mature, but it, it does. But it's more about his body. Um, mm-hmm. He's tiny. He's 180 pounds soaking wet. Uh, he's Yeah, he's a he, little rail. He's still a kid physically. Um, he hasn't had that, that. He doesn't have the grown man body yet. Um, and that's okay. I mean, the different guys grow at different rates. I mean, just look at the guy who's the same age as him and DeAndre Ayton, who, you know, looks like a Greek <laughs> god. I mean, there's, there's, there's levels to these things. Um, so I, I was listening to, um, the, uh, one of the post draft programs and, uh, Chad doing was talking about Simons and he kept repeating over and over again, how Simons is 19. He's only 19. He's only 19. And I went and I looked and eight of the top 10, uh, top 10 draft picks were 19 and younger. Two of them were actually 18 years old. So like, how much of that youth is really a concern anymore? Is Are you just primarily focused on the fact that his body is not as big as other people's bodies? Or um, is there something else about him being only 19? Because the can't other speak, choice was also 19. You know, I, I can't speak totally for Chad, but me, Chad and I have talked about this. We, the next day on the radio, we, you know, prepping for the show, we were talking about what it means to kind of be, you know, at that age. And it's not necessarily about the age. It's more so about the body and it physically and his body of work. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers that he put up last year, albeit against top level high school competition, still against high schoolers. Like mm-hmm. these, these top flight academies, like, like IMG, like Montverde, um, 
yeah, it's it's good competition, and he's going to get up against the the likes of R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, who are going to be you know the top recruits in this next class, uh, as they they all head off to Duke seemingly. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, three of the top four recruits are heading to Duke in 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 Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and uh, Zion Williamson, and you know he uh, Simon's had a chance to play against a lot of these guys, but. He's not playing against guys. Let's contrast this with Luka Doncic, who at 18 years mm-hmm. old was playing in the second best league against grown men. Like people mm-hmm. can say the level of competition isn't this, that, or whatever. There isn't a college team in the country that's going overseas and, and beating Real Madrid. Like this is a team with grown men who have size, speed, and strength that none of these college kids do. That's that's just mm-hmm. kind of the reality of it. Um, so it's hard to put a measuring stick on what Simons can actually do against top caliber competition. I was wondering if some of the other part of the concern that people who are worried about the Blazers having gone out and taken such a young player is that, you know, for many years we've heard about, you know, people being on Damian Lillard's trajectory, the timeline and last year they drafted a 19 and a 20 year old. And this year they brought in two two 19 19 year olds. olds, And that doesn't feel like any more Damian's timeline. Yeah. No, honestly, it feels a lot like Neil Shane, the Blazers are kicking the can. I I can't really put that any other way, except for it feels like they're kicking the can and not wanting to make a move. And again, talking about uh, Chad doing the theme that, that, I think irks him and a, and a lot of other people is that if you look around the Western conference of the last couple of years, teams are willing to take risks like moving. Well, isn't this moving, a risk? I, I don't think so. I think it's hedging your bets. I mean, how risky is it to, 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 to draft a guy who's this young, who if he does or doesn't pay off, you can like, Oh, he was a 24th pick. No big deal. Like it, you're, you're drafting on potential and you're not really, that to me isn't a risk. That's just, Kind of, all right, we need to restock the cupboard and let's hope we hit a couple home runs with these guys. And I don't think those are necessarily risks as much as hedging your bets. You, you take as much high ceiling, as many high ceiling, high potential guys as you can and hope one of them pays off. I know that may sound like risk, but it's probably the safest play um, as opposed to taking somebody that doesn't have a high ceiling who can come in on you know day one and be a productive player but not have a ton of room to grow. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, not what you're saying. Go ahead. I don't know. I think we have, we have different definitions of risk Yes. <laughs> or, or hedging your bet or whatever, whatever else you call it, because it sounds like you're saying taking the, the player who was more ready to go was the, was less risky than drafting the one with the high ceiling, but we're not quite sure he's going to get there, but they're, they're not counting on him. That's the thing is they're not counting on him to be ready for a couple years, right? Well, if you take somebody like that, a, what, isn't isn't that what we heard last year about Zach Collins? Though didn't we hear that he was going to need some development? I and mean, he still I, needs I don't a ton. At the He's very not, beginning that he was going to be ready to take the floor and get all these minutes. He didn't. That's that's the thing is like this this common misconception that Zach Collins is getting all of these minutes. He's getting 16 minutes a night, 17 minutes a night. He's the reason he's contributing is because there's nothing in front of him. And I'm not saying this to be detrimental it, to Zach Collins. He's still he is still a couple years from being a regular contributor in the box score night in and night out. And okay, that, I just I I thought that last year when he was drafted, I didn't expect him to play as much as he did. Like I I thought he was going to be on the bench 
you know, I get, I get that part of it. Most of the season. No, I, but I suddenly, I totally you know, get that part. A couple but months he, into it, he started playing. Yeah, but he, the Blazers aren't counting on him for production, and they don't have a whole lot in front of him. It was more of a, well, we don't really have a choice, so we have to play him. Because okay. they, they weren't getting from production from anywhere else. I mean, Maurice Harkless was unplayable for long stretches of the season last year. And, I mean, the, their, their front court depth beyond Ed Davis was suspect at best. So, well, then that leads into Anthony Simmons being a backcourt player. Ah, you said it. You said it. Strong backcourt. You said, you said Simmons. I did. I <laughs> told you. Everybody does it. I, I, I only have it because well, Joe I'm Simons sure you is. You never do because you're perfect, right? No, now. I just have it because my co host would beat it into me already. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not to distract. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the position that he plays and in relation to, you know, Damon CJ and anybody else that uh, is around. So we've got, you know, in guards, we've got Shabazz Napier. Uh, Wade Baldwin, I guess, what is the presence of Anthony Simons mean for uh, Wade and Shabazz, do you think? First of all, I want to call Anthony Simons Little Penny just because it would just fit so perfectly with the commercials. Um, That and if he actually played like Penny, good God. Wait, can uh, we talk about how awesome it is that he was named after Anthony Hardaway? That His parents liked Anthony Hardaway because he's from Florida mm-hmm. and his parents liked Anthony Hardaway, Penny Hardaway so much that they named their child after him. I think that is so awesome. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. absolutely love that. And then did you know that later on they got to know each other and he actually played for Penny Hardaway at Team USA? Yep. It's absolutely perfect. I've, I, I have talked to my significant other about naming our first son Dam- or Brandon Damien or Damien Brandon. I'm not sure which one. She she's she's not exactly on 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 par with it, but we'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah, she I mean, hasn't closed the door. She hasn't completely shut the door, so okay. uh, we're, we're, we're still, still, I'm still, still holding out hope. But uh, and it, 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 to get back to to Simons in, as a player and how he fits on this team right now. First of all, I think the Blazers have made the conscious decision to move on from Shabazz Napier. I think everybody's kind of accepted that. I think Shabazz needs to go get his money, go get his bag, and, and go do his thing. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. I wish there was a way that he could take next to nothing and stay here, but that's my own, you know, kind of selfish demeanor and, and mm-hmm. not really rooted in any kind of reality. And with that, I think they're counting on Wade Baldwin to be that third point guard at this point in time. If you look at the lineage of how Portland has handled mm-hmm. the backup point guard over the last decade, you've got Patty Mills, you've got Tim Frazier, you've got Shabazz Napier. Like they've done a really, really good job of finding guys off the scrap heap, developing them and turning them into very good backup point guards. I would argue mm-hmm. that Portland's probably done a better job at that than any team in the league over the last decade. Um, so if they see that in Wade Baldwin, um, more power to him. Cause I, I think he has the tools physically. He's got more tools than any of the other guys. He's bigger. He's longer. He's stronger. He's faster. Um, if he can get any semblance of a jump shot. And I think the Blazers have shown that they are very good at, at developing that. Then Wade Baldwin will serve as a, as a more than uh, ready and capable backup point guard. And that means for Simons that he's not going to really have to count on a lot. And here's the problem that I think the Blazers are running into. As one of the few teams without a G League team, they're not going to be able to have the control and the oversight and the readiness to – like, let's say that they had a G League team in Beaverton, um, which I've heard is one not of the possibilities. I don't live in Beaverton anymore. Come on now. I live in Tualatin. I may have gone to high school in Beaverton, but um, I, I am no longer there. But – um, and, and there's, there's a reason for this. If you have them close by, 
then when your team is practicing at home and the G League affiliate has a game night or an off night, um, then Simons is in the practice facility in Tualatin going up against Damon CJ. And Dame mm-hmm. is a guy that has shown he is more than willing to work with young guys, take them under his wing and help develop them. Think about the last few backup point guards that right. have come through here. They all sing Damian Lillard's praises. Mm-hmm. Tim Frazier is is lost without Damian Lillard because of all of the tutelage and training and confidence that Damian Lillard and Tim Frazier got from their friendship off the court. Like that's that's a huge component I think that gets overlooked in the development of player. And I think Simon's so- going to struggle without some of that. Well, one thing that I, I thought of a couple things with Simons. One is him just like, you know, being in the gym by himself at IMG because he's not, you know, playing on a college team. And that sort of made me sad thinking about doing that, like without a team around him to do it. Because, you know, like you can redshirt, like there's a new thing now, basically, where you can redshirt while you're in the NBA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, it, like, you know. So soon enough that might actually happen when we have, when the one and done rule goes away. Yep. Um, but the thing that I was actually really kind of mulling over the other night is the last year, not to just like continue to talk about Zach Collins, but last year we, that it seemed that the Blazers uh, hit upon this strategy where they paired Zach Collins up with Ed Davis. And everybody saw that pretty quickly that it was happening. And I was wondering if that might be something that they might try with either one of the new picks. And we'll get to the Gary big Trent brothers Jr. Program. in a minute. But yeah, the 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 not just not just like you know you're you're a rookie and you have a big, but like you're actually on the court together and you're mm-hmm. actually learning. And I don't know that that would work so well with the guards, but I was thinking that it might work a little bit better uh, with Gary Trent Jr. I, I don't know. What do I, you think about? I think for that Simons, it would be huge. I think for Trent, it would be huge. Now Trent, I think we'll, we'll get to him in here in a, in a minute. Um, Simons though, I think would be massive, massive deal to make it work for, to get, to be alongside Damian Lillard. And that's why I think that not having a G league affiliate is going to be huge. Um, because you know, if he's playing with the, the Reno Bighorns or the Canton Charge or what is it, the main Red Claws? Um, God, did I really just name off a couple G League teams? I, I spent way <laughs> too much time watching basketball. Um, just keep going. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a rabbit hole we need to go down. Um, but I, I don't think that it's going to be as conducive an environment for him. And I, I wish that weren't the case. And now, as opposed to last year, and I think this is the last time I'll reference back to Collins at all. I think that why people were upset or frustrated um, with that pick was because of where he was picked and the assets used justified to be used to move up and take him. I think part of the unwarranted frustration pointed at Simons right now is that the dude's a 24th pick. Like I I, I have my own reasons for not liking the pick because I think he would have been available a little bit further back, but I've heard also that the Lakers – uh, coveted Simons as well, so if they felt like they had to take him there, they had to take him there. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with the pick in the micro mm-hmm. um, version of, of how you want to look at all of this because I think Simons does have the potential to be good. Uh, he He's shown the ability to score. He's in, Between Dame, CJ, and Simons, athletically, Simons is the most explosive of the, of the three. Like He has got mm-hmm. bunnies, Four days. Kid can jump uh-huh. out of the gym. Um, and I think that's a welcome sight. 
Um, he's got a quick jumper. He can score off the dribble. He is not the playmaker in the pick and roll that mm-hmm. Damon CJ are or were. Like mm-hmm. those those guys came out of the womb running the pick and roll. That is not Simons' strong suit, and that's where I think it'll be the most detrimental. Is learning from guys that are that good at, at that particular skill set would do him wonders. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as de- development goes and what to expect from him, I expect him to be in the G League for a significant part of the year. If nothing else, because he needs to get some run against higher level competition, against bigger dudes, mm-hmm. and he needs to spend a ton of the time in the gym. And he's not going to get any real burn with this team right now. It's just he's just not ready as of right now. Now, could he change and could he be like Collins? Sure. I, I don't foresee that happening, especially with the way that the depth is concerned. But I wish the kid well, and I have nothing against him being the pick at 24. As for Gary Trent Jr., um, he's a guy who I think where a couple weeks ago we were talking about Pat Connaughton still being a possibility with this team next year. I think Gary Trent Jr. may signal the end of Pat Connaughton's time here in Portland. What do you like best about Gary Trent Jr.'s game? So I spent some time with Gary Trent Jr. at Hoop Summit last year uh, in 2017. Um, spent the week with him, got to talk to him couple times for probably about an hour total, maybe a little bit more, and then watch all of his workouts, stuff like that. I love his competitiveness. I love his confidence. I love the way he carries himself, and I love, 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 love his jumper. He gets it mm-hmm. off quick. He barely elevates. It's like this quick little flick that just it's, – it's one of those jumpers that when he lets it go, you think it's going in. And in college, he shot 40.2% from three. Like that's, that's a good mm-hmm. clip. Now, he wasn't a guy that shot yeah. from very deep, so he may need a little bit of time to adjust to the NBA three. But I think he's a about as pure shooter as there was in this draft. And, God, Portland needs shooting like there's no tomorrow. So I have no problem with right. that pick he's at 37. He's a three-point shooter. He's kind of, you know, like a lot of – I think people, some people have said that he's kind of like Alan Crabb. He can take that low usage – um, you know, catch and shoot, or you know, he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands a lot. He can run around and he can he can shoot a lot of threes. And he he's a bit of an old school shooter paint. where he he moves off the ball very well. But more so than Crab, when Crab came into the league, Trent has a better and tighter and more creative handle. Like he can create his own shot. Oh. And he can get to the rim. Okay. Now here's the the the, the kicker. Uh, he is a god awful atrocious. Oh my god, terrible defender. He is a okay, turnstile. Okay, calm down with no, no, no. the this, this, hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. This is every scout's review of him. He every so team what do they, they say faced, about his defense. He he is a turnstile. He he's a absolute. His his side to side, his lateral quickness and lateral anticipation is terrible. Uh, okay, he does want to compete. So this is something he may be able to improve upon. Um, okay, how about his hands? Defensively, he's not real active. Um, I, he, again, he competes and I think that that may translate. And that's the fact that he competes is, says probably more about him than it did ever about Alan Crabb. Like Alan Crabb, you, you can't get much more disinterested yeah. on defense than Alan Crabb was in his tenure here. There were, there were yeah, very few Alan times. Crabb, where, it was a hard time sometimes to see if he was paying. I mean, he just yeah. was, he's so mellow sometimes that you kind of wanted to just be like, Hey, are you yeah, paying attention exactly and trent is that's not the case he's he's a very competitive dude and talking to the jason quick he was able to talk to him um during the workouts was it 
10 days ago or so um, at the practice facility. And he said the one thing he came away from, from Gary Trent Jr. and talking to him is that kid is confident. Like he, huh? he carries himself with a ton of swagger. He thinks he's going to be ready to compete from day one. And I like that confidence. I like that cockiness because mm-hmm. when you get to this level, if there's, if you even question yourself, you'll get eaten alive. Mm-hmm. And I think being growing up in an NBA household um, and then playing for coach K, I think he's about as ready as you can be coming into the league for a one and done guy. Um, mm-hmm. There, there are certainly questions on the defensive side, but to have him come in for eight to 10 minutes a night, after the first, you know, two months of the season where he gets kind of acclimated, um, have him be a 38% three-point shooter who just is really in there just to stretch the floor with the second unit. And, you know, when Evan Turner's out there to have another shooter out there that can do mm-hmm. more than just catch and shoot is going to be huge in the grand scheme. But night to night, it's not going to be massive, but just enough to change things up a little bit. Um, and I think it's at, at 37 and giving up two second round picks down the road, I think it's a good call. I, I Gary Chin Jr. was a guy that I had targeted. Uh, my thought was the Blazers were going to trade the 24 to Atlanta for the 30 and 34 and take mm-hmm. si- either Simons and Evans or Simons and Gary Trent Jr. Those, those mm-hmm. that was like when they brought him back in for the second workout, they basically just shot a flare into the sky that said, we're taking Anthony Simons. Right. So, so they they did what you predicted that they were going to do in a roundabout was, way, as I recall, as they were going to. Yeah, they were going to take a couple of lower guys that, um, you know, had I, I, I thought you thought that they were going to go go with somebody who had a high ceiling like Simon's, mm-hmm. you know, but is like, you know, sort of risky, too, because people aren't really sure having the way he spent his last year. So what's next for the Blazers? Um, you know, Neil Olshay sat at the press conference not long ago talking about <laughs> how they were going to go after veteran talent. Guys, they're going to contribute the immediately. Draft is over. They did not use any of their draft at, or their one draft asset to acquire a uh, veteran. They used it to draft somebody and then they drafted an additional player. Where do they go from here to get that veteran? All right. So there's two options that are, that are available to them now. That's trade and free agency. Uh, I think free agency is going to be kind of the thing we talk about here the most with free agency a week away. Yay. Just in time to get our hopes up in time to have them all dashed. Okay. That's your <laughs> fault for getting your hopes up. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So people, I get, uh, this is my little sidebar story on uh, draft night. There were a lot of people who were feeling pretty down about the Simons pick, and a you know, few people. A little there, bit. There, there was a lot whoa, of people. The, I would so say it was overwhelming. Appealed to me and said, "I need your optimism right now," and I was like, "I can't just transfer my optimism <laughs> to you. Optimism is a choice that it's a state of made. mind." Right. And it's like, sometimes it's harder and it's some, for some people it's, you know, they've got much more going on and optimism is a much more difficult circumstances, but we're talking about the basketball team that we enjoy watching for entertainment. And if you can't find optimism for that, I can't just transfer mine to you. So what's your optimism level going on here, especially after what happened with draft night and with free agency around the corner? It's not really high because of what the historical record has been under Neil O'Shea when it comes to signing free agents and trades. 
Um, I've heard that the the TPE is this magic thing that they wave around. Like, it's an asset. It's an asset. The only player that's been moved over the last, like, five or six years that's even remotely credible utilizing the TPE is Trevor Ariza. And that was... Trevor Reese was kind of uh, okay at that point in time, and he was going from the Wizards to the Rockets. Now he's kind of revived his uh, career a little bit. Not that it really fell off that hard, but he's been much more valuable in Houston. And again, I don't think it's any—it's really any surprise that the Houston Rockets were the team that, that utilized this. Uh, I mean, they, they added him to a team with James Harden and uh, brought in Clint Capella. I mean, they, it's been over a couple years. But again, Trevor Reese wasn't like this big signing— it was so. What do the Blazers do? Okay, so the TPE in, in my mind is going to be a guy that's out there that's got a year left on his deal, so it's not going to haunt Portland for the long haul. Uh, it's a team that wants the clear space to either bring somebody else in or get underneath the luxury ta- luxury tax um, right away um, to kind of make this deal fit. So when you start talking about that. You're looking at guys who have like an option year who might opt in um, and then can be moved depending on what the the rules are on their contract. So in my mind, the best possible scenario for them to address the wing need would be to pick up a guy like Thaddeus Young, who's got a $13.5 million deal. Okay. Zoom tight. Uh, did I did I not mute it fast enough? Sorry about that, folks. Looks like I get something <laughs> to go in and clean up. Um, but Wilson Chandler just opted in, and he was a guy that I was kind of hoping would fit that bill. But then the Nuggets drafted Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is probably not going to play this year, mm-hmm. so they're going to want Wilson Chandler to, to kind of fill those minutes. Um, so then you're looking at like an Alec Burks or a Terrence Ross or. Uh, you got to go pretty far down the list at this point in time. So what, what <laughs> attributes do you look at in the, this veteran Wing besides three and the, D. having the right price tag? Wing three and D that's, that's, that's what you're looking for is you have got to find a way to defend on the perimeter, to have some f- positional flexibility to create off the bounce and knock down an open shot. Like that, but does their like playoff experience I don't, or their leadership potential? Don't care or about how that. old they are, don't how long they've it. been around. Does any of that matter? If you're talking about for the the TPE, it's a rental. You're just trying to add something somewhere, someone. Like Thad Young's 30 years old. Like he's been in the league 11 mm-hmm. years. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. um, as, I mean, how long Wilson Chandler's been in the league 11 years as well? He's 31. Um, mm-hmm. Alec Burks is 26. Like these are these are guys that are you know who they are, you know mm-hmm. what they can do, and I think these that's are what guys you, who got paid in 2016 on three year deals <laughs> or 2015. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one one of the two cases really, and you're just you're just trying to find you're trying to add guys who have more than one skill set. Like mm-hmm. we, if you've been listening to the podcast at all over the last 18 months, the one thing that I've said about this team is they've got to get away from siloed players. They cannot mm-hmm. have these guys that just do one or two things. They need more guys with a broader skill set, and they cost money. And what don't the Blazers have right now? Money. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be helped a little bit by the fact that most other teams don't have a lot of money either. So they can bring in somebody, and I, I think it's highly unlikely that they'll bring in like a Thad Young off the um, TPE. 
but there is a chance. Now, the Pacers, I don't think, are going to, like, if, if Thad Young opts in, I don't think they're going to let him walk. Like, I don't think they're trying to move him for for any reason. Um, and the problem with the TPE is for, you're adding somebody, really, that, that another team doesn't want for a variety of mm-hmm. reasons. So that right there alone kind of makes you go, uh, is it a perfect fit? So it's it's a well, strange situation. There's like five guys that everybody wants, <laughs> yeah, that are available, and then there's everybody else. So I mean, that's not a unique situation so much for the Trailblazers, is it? Well, I mean, when you're talking about taking a guy on TPE, you're taking a guy basically for free, and the only thing you're going to send back is like a draft pick, and you're doing this as basically a favor to the other team. It's your, you have the capacity to eat their money so they can either not be in the luxury tax to free cap space up to sign somebody else, or they don't want this guy on the roster anymore. So, I mean, you're, you're taking them off their roster because they want you to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so it's, it's not like you're getting the cream of the crop here. So everybody mm-hmm. who's really hyped about the use of the TPE, I would urge you to look through the, um, the lens, not through the uh, Olshay sales pitch, but through what it's actually been used for in recent history. And that is not much and not very often. No, exactly. I think it's been used seven times since 2014. So if they don't use it? Well, then it's free agency. I mean, okay. in free agency right now, um, you're, you're looking at, um, you know, as far as who's available, excuse me, let me pull my list back up. Um, could you take a run at a Jabari Parker? Like what, what's the price line for them to keep him? Cause he's a restricted free agent. Um, there's certainly risk involved there with two torn ACLs. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyreek Evans is he get, where's he going to want to go and how much did he buoy his, um, value playing as well as he did for Memphis last year? Um, then you start getting into a lot of bigs and the Blazers don't need bigs. Don't need bigs. Um, We're good on bigs. Yeah. And, and a guy like Avery Bradley would be great to add to this team if he was six, six, but they don't need another six, two guy. Um, Marcus smarts trying to get his money. Contavious Caldwell Pope's kind of a in between. He's, he's listed at six, five, but he's really not quite that big. Um, and again, what's he going to cost? Um, Kyle Anderson with the Spurs, I think would be a very nice addition. Um, he's a, to me, he's kind of like lesser, like prime Nick Batum, but he played really well, excuse me, for the, uh, Spurs and they don't typically let talent walk if it fits their system. So I don't see them really having an option to get him. So then I think you go further down the list and this is where I think that you may have an opportunity. Now it depends on what the Cavs end up doing here and how much they value him. But Rodney Hood, I think, is a guy that would fit very well. Six foot eight, versatile, but he fits kind of what Portland's done over the last few years in kind of picking off the scrap heap. A guy who right, needs right, need some redemption. Right, really just kind of languished on the bench there in, uh, in, Cleveland. in Cleveland. Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. a guy who I think could very well fit that. Now, I would love to add a guy like Rudy Gay, um, even as old and, and as much as that Achilles injury scares me, but I think he's mm-hmm. beelining for Golden State. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then from from San Antonio to Golden State. Yeah, oh. he's he living the rough life. I don't want him. Not if that's what he. That's not if that's what he thinks the path is. Come on. Hey, you know what? I, I don't begrudge him. He with that Achilles, you never know when your career's gonna get over. So yeah. Well, go, he got go his Puma money now, so it's true. Exactly. Get that, get that Puma hey, money. Hey, we have a couple of questions actually about this very topic. Um, Hit them. Should we go ahead and turn to those? Hit them. Um, before you go too far down into them. So uh, one, these are all from Twitter that you uh, you asked folks for questions for uh, tonight. So this is from Chris Brezik, and he says, how do you think Eric Gordon would fit with the team should the stars align and Houston needs to ditch him for our trade exception? Could a three-guard lineup with him work in small doses? So what do you think about that? It could certainly work. Um, I think that's that's incredibly small. They showed that it worked with Shabazz Napier, and Gordon's a bigger, stronger, faster uh, more explosive version and better score, ver- better scoring version of that. Now, I don't think that would be the likely case that those three, Dame, CJ, and Gordon, would be on the floor at the same time if they did come together. I think it would be two of the three are basically on the floor at all times. And then mm-hmm. situationally, you can close with all three. Um, I think it could work for a year. And you're talking about basically if, if Houston is serious trying to get LeBron, they need to clear space. Again, you're praying mm-hmm. and hoping um, but what does that mean in the long term? I mean, I don't, I don't think a lineup of Dame, CJ, and Eric Gordon, you know, as your top three guys, are going to last forever. I mean, it's just the effectiveness of a ton of small guards. I mean, it works in you know the uh, the six four and under leagues, but not in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not a lot of length. No, do they get any de- better defensively with him? Mm, not really. Gordon's a guy who could mm-hmm. be a better defender. He's more about generating steals and getting in passing lanes than he is about playing consistent on ball and, and team scheme defense. Although he did play better defensively with the Rockets this year. Uh, and, again, mm-hmm. and again, you're talking about taking on somebody who has serious injury concerns over his career. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like adding ex- an explosive offensive talent like Eric Gordon, it would honestly, if they added Eric Gordon, I don't think they really have added a offensive le- uh, player of his caliber since Scotty Pippen. Hmm. So, I mean, wow. if you're talking about adding a guy, cause I mean, just think about the, the Blazers history outside of the draft, who have they added? That, that was a guy that was a, a no doubt guy that could go for 30. Right. That could just come in and score. Yeah, I can't. Jamal Crawford's the only guy who even comes close. <sighs> Yeah. I mean, I guess they, they probably thought they were going to get a lot of scoring out of Gerald Henderson, didn't they? Not like that, though. Henderson's more of a, like that. He, Henderson and Gerald Wallace, like the, those kind of guys, um, they were more two-way uh, slasher, glue guys. Like, they, they mm-hmm. were kind of do-it-all guys. Like, Eric Gordon gets buckets. That's what Eric okay. Gordon does. Uh, so, he, yeah. So he doesn't have necessarily – he's – not one of those people that has three skill sets instead of two. Well, um, he has three he skill is somebody sets. Somebody who could at least bring some offense um, and spread the floor. He has three skill sets that they just all in, involve getting buckets. Oh. <laughs> like he can drive, he can shoot, he can pull up, and he okay. can take a guy off the bounce. And he's a little bit uh-huh. of a playmaker too. And boy, mm-hmm. even through his injury, he can still get up and dunk on some dudes. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. If the if the the best case scenario was that Portland took Eric Gordon in the TPE and then used their taxpayer MLE to sign um, some other like random wing like Ursan Ilyasova. Like I, I wouldn't be against, like if that was the most they could do. Right. At bare minimum, so Eric, it would be something Eric new. Gordon, yeah. So Eric Gordon, not a bad fit. 
is kind of what you're saying. Not a great not fit. Not a bad fit. Like at this point, though, but I just I, I just want to see them do something that you just up, want something that ups not just something but something that ups the productivity on one side of the floor. Like for the love of God, give me something consistently night in and night out outside of Damon CJ. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, Thomas Cogswell had a question about what are some ideal veteran three and D wing TPE targets. You've already kind of listed some of those who are like really your favorites. Um, Rodney hood is, is one of those guys, mm-hmm. but he's a restricted free agent. So he sort of landed on, but he's not, he's not something you're going to pick up with that again, cause he's restricted. So Thad young would fall oh. into that. Um, uh-huh. Kyle Anderson's restricted. So that'd be near next to impossible. Um, let me take a look at the, the 2019s again. Um, Alec Burks. Alec Burks is probably the best possible fit with timeline, experience, youth, athleticism, two-way play. Because he's a 6'7-ish, 6'8-ish um, wing who can create off the bounce, can get to the rim, um, can play defense when he wants to, and he showed out a little bit in the playoffs, which is why I, I don't think that the Utah will be um, looking to move him at all. Um, but the, the problem with a lot of these guys who have their contracts coming up in 2019, they have a year left, almost all of them are bigs. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's, it's truly incredible how many of them are bigs. Um, like, Not a great... Time no, if you no, want to be a big bidding, getting paid. It's Fareed, it's Gortat, it's Zach Randolph, mm-hmm. um, Al Jefferson, Jared Dudley, Kufus, Jamichael Green, Markeith Morris, Darrell Arthur, uh, Cole Aldrich, Dwayne Dedman, uh, Boban. Like it's n- and then the other guys are point guards. It's D'Angelo Russell who's restricted. Shelvin Mack, Ish Smith, Patrick Beverly. Um, Right, so those those wings wings are at a premium, not easy to find, nor have they really ever been. No, (laughs) and that's to be honest. I mean, we're just kind of getting into the weeds of just like saying off names of players that are positions that the Blazers don't really need right now. Yeah, I mean that's that's the reality of it is that if you're trying to find that guy, like it's very very hard. Like we've been sold this. Well, the Blazers have all these ways of attracting and bringing in talent, and it's like they are very very limited. Not just because of their limited assets and the things that they can use to acquire this talent, but the amount of talent that's available. Like nobody's out there giving up good wings. Mm-hmm. Like it's the, it's yeah. the most it's the most uh, precious commodity in the NBA market right now. So to get a good wing, it's going to cost you something. And that's and that's where the Blazers are just like whether it's dollars or personnel in a trade, and they don't they really don't have, have either. Much to spend. Yeah, and they they don't have much of either, and that's the problem they're running into. Right. Well, you want to answer a few more questions? Yeah, let's let's get, let's get on these. Okay. These ones are the, the rest of them kind of, uh, are, are, are a lot of different topics. Um, so do you have anything else you want to, uh, wrap up with the, uh, free agency or, uh, TPE discussion? No, I think we'll touch on some of that here in some of these questions. So, all right. So this one is from Robert Flom, friend of the pod, and he wants to know Blazers free agent. You most want to keep price aside just as a player. So I bet you we might even have the same We have the same one. answer. We have the same one. Let's say it on the count of three, okay? Uh-huh. Blazer free agent we most want to keep. One, two, three. Sure Ed enough, Davis. Ed. There you go. 
Perfect. You never say it. When I say one, two, three, you never say it right after that. We I did. Work on our time I did. That. I just said shirt off, Ed. I just added the shirt off to it because I figured you would too. Oh. No. No? Okay, fine. Ed Davis. But yeah, I, um, I think that's that's an easy one. Um, yeah. Like, so great. He's just, a, he's just, Ed is the dude. He, well, he just fills so many. He yeah. he does those intangible things as well as get rebounds. Like he needs to eat them for breakfast and yeah. to survive. He, he's the kind of guy that everybody <laughs> wants and needs. He on does their other team. things as well. He's the wise man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy at the table that everybody comes to the table to come and talk to him. You know, he's he's just got a lot going on. You come see me on okay. the day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah, basically. <laughs> exactly. This is a fun question from Blueberry Joe. Blueberry Joe um, says, what's the best super team that you think LeBron could theoretically assemble next year if he just wants to win and would live anywhere and maybe even take a cut and pay? Um, and could they beat the Warriors? So the best super team that LeBron could assemble and would they be able to beat the Warriors? Well, I, mean, I had kind of a crazy idea. Well, the best one would be to go to the Warriors. So no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, that if you were to watch your mouth, that hey, was soap. I'm, I'm talking about the best about super like team. I mean, that's, that's realistically the best super team. Um, LeBron is going to get all these together. Okay. Here's well, how about this one? What if he went to OKC? What would LeBron and Steven Adams together be like? Um, and Paul George stays as well. It, it That's would, the important part. It wouldn't work because Westbrook just needs the ball way too much, way more than Kyrie ever did. You need shooters what? around LeBron to be really dominant. That's that's what you really need. And so I would... Okay, so what if they kept Paul George and they had Steve Adams, because I just want Steven Adams to play on the same team with LeBron, um, and traded Westbrook? What if he orchestrated that whole thing and brought somebody else there? Yeah, I mean, you you could go that route. I, I think in a perfect world, sending him to Philly with Embiid and Ben Simmons and then the Sixers trading off Markel Fultz and um, Dario Saric for Kawhi. So it would be Fultz, Fultz Saric, and a first-round pick for Kawhi. Um, that would be a team, while young, physically could just beat the hell out of the Warriors. So Kawhi, LeBron, Simmons, Embiid. uh, Embiid. Insert shooters here. Yeah. Robert Covington. Keep JJ around. Yeah, you bring JJ back for a year. You you have Covington out there. Like, you just space the floor and then physically. I mean, you'd have two of the best defensive players in the world in Kawhi and LeBron when he's engaged, Covington, who's an all-defensive player, Ben Simmons, who has the potential to be an all-defensive player, and Joel Embiid, who has the talent and propensity possibly to be a defensive player of the year. Like, the size, length, strength, and athleticism of that team may never be matched again. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Could they beat the Warriors? In the right circumstances, if everybody's healthy, they have a they have the potential to. Because I, I, in my mind, the way to beat the Warriors has always been beat the hell out of them, just mm-hmm. physically yeah. grind them into dust. What makes yeah. Kevin Durant so great on that team, beyond the fact that he's a Hall of Fame caliber player, is that you can't help. Well, you don't need to help when you've got an all world defender on it, damn near everybody. And then the length and the strength and the ability to switch, the ability to help, 
the the the, the wingspan and the length involved with that team. Like Kevin Durant, like it's it's difficult enough to contest his shot. It's very difficult when you can't really get anywhere near him because you have to give him space. Now you've got a guy whose shot is nearly uncontestable with space. Yeah, of course he's going to shoot like you know, fourteen for twenty one, uh, where he's basically taking uncontested fifteen footers all game. Like, is there any way we could get Stephen Adams over onto the Philadelphia team? No, no. You come off the bench. I, I, be the I, backup I, center. I, I love Stephen Adams, but I, I'm taking <laughs> I'm taking Embiid over over Adams. I, I love the big. You could back him up. I, I love the big Kiwi, but. Uh, Embiid, I just, watching Embiid just destroy Draymond Green possession after possession after possession when they try to play small ball would be one of the purest joys I'd ever had <laughs> in my basketball life. So that's that's kind of what I right. what I'd be hoping for. That and I get to watch the Celtics, you know, after all of this nonsense of the last couple of years and this this Celtics exceptionalism never come to fruition. And the Lakers would, in their prime free agent destination, would get screwed over again. So it's like the best of everything. They have a lot of cap space. Um, okay, so let's get back to the Blazers. With Orlando, oh, this is from Rashid Walton. With Orlando drafting Mo Bamba, should the Blazers target Vucevic via trade? What would you think about targeting Mario Hez- Hezonia mm-hmm. in free agency? I think he would shine in the Stott system. And it is the time and is the type of wing we need. I'm particularly interested in the Mario Hazonia part of that question. Yeah, okay, so I, I, I've advocated for Vucevic for the last couple of years, and that was obviously pre-Nurkic. With yeah. Nurkic, I just don't think it's it's something that makes sense anymore. Um, so that would be like if they lost if Ed and Nurkic, then then yeah, Vucevic. then then yeah. sure. Um, I like Vuce defensively. You're definitely losing a lot, but offensively, he's a guy that can definitely score and boy does he gobble up rebounds um the other side of this is mario hazonia hazonia is a guy and said let's since they're the blazers here why not visit you know the walmart of, of nba basketball again go go bargain go to the vintage store and go bargain bin hunting again they picked up napier they picked up harkless i mean why not go to the scrap people one more time and see what happens um hazonia is exactly the kind of guy that the blazers have targeted in the past a guy who's got a marked checkered uh, basketball history who hasn't developed uh, anything to wear what anybody expected of him. He's been disappointing. Uh, he'll be underpriced and the, the team probably isn't inclined to keep them. So why not? So yeah, Hazonia is a guy that on paper kind of ticks all the boxes and he's a guy as we're getting into free agency, I think is a logical target for the Portland Trailblazers because the while he may garner more, it depends on what he's looking at and what he may want. Um, but maybe the taxpayer MLE is enough to get him to come to Portland. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but it's it's worth at least picking up the phone and calling his agent. You know, six foot eight right. guy who can create off the bounce, who potentially can be a catch and shoot guy. Like again, you're you've got a lot of questions, and that's why you're hoping you can get him to Portland because there are shortcomings and questions in his game. Mm-hmm. But worth possibly taking a, at least making a call, taking the flyer agent. on because you're not you're not throwing a ton of money at him. Mm-hmm. So if it does work out, then you do have a guy who's outperforming his. Um, his salary, which is something Portland needs desperately at this point. Okay, I got two more, but you're going to have to answer them faster. Okay. All right. Uh, this is from Scooby-Doo. What role do you see Swanigan and Leonard having? Taking into account Nurkic back, 
taking into account Nurkic back in a qualifier, Ed back in a three-year, and somehow Collins carving out 25 to 30 minutes a night. Are Swanigan and Leonard insurance against injury and double insurance if Nurk and Ed get insane offers and leave? So, yeah, Swanigan and Leonard. Okay, Swanigan is a guy I think is just going to hold there as, as back uh, front court depth and see what happens. And with that, you know, see what happens. I mean, he's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid. You know, what, 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 do you, what do you have to lose with him? You've got him under team control for three more years, including this year. Um, Myers Leonard, on the other hand, I think – Portland's just happy to let him kind of work out his or you know serve out his contract and and move on. I, as much as I love Myers, uh, I don't see his future here being all that bright as far as basketball is concerned. So yeah, they're, they're really just there as insurance. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly things can change, and I hope they do for both those guys. I hope they both blow up. Like I want everybody in this team to do well. Um, mm-hmm. But realistically, yeah, and I, I don't think Collins is carving out twenty five or thirty minutes a night. Like I think mm-hmm. that he, they're still probably a, a, at least a year away from that. Um, I, I think logically Ed Davis comes back probably on a three year. I, th- I think he's probably nailed that. And I think Nurk uh, is back at bare minimum on the QO. So yeah, it's, it's basically just insurance offers. Right. Um, okay. Good job. One uh, last one, Josh Simons. This is another Simons. Um, Josh Simons says, Simons seems to be in the Dame CJ mold. Does that seem right? Maybe making one of them expendable once Simons develops. Trent Jr. seems a lot like Crab, but probably more athletic. Maybe even JJ Redick. Wondering what their comps might be. So I guess who would you compare these guys to? The one that stands to mind with me for Simmons. Um, you said it again. Is young JJ Redick. <laughs> Not JJ Redick. Young Jamal Crawford. For Simons? For Simons. Was he always just a shooter or did he, I mean, think 20 years ago. <laughs> did no, he also, you know, Jamal get can, up above the rim? No, or was he always just a shooter? He, he's a guy who, oh no, he was, he, he was the guy who could finish at the rim with the most audacious finishes possible. Uh-huh. Um, he was always. He just reminds me of him partly because he's so skinny and young looking. And I feel yeah, like for 20 years, if he but has Simons a year is career, more he'll explosive. still be skinny and young. Yeah, no, Simons is more explosive. Like he, he legitimately has some pretty, pretty nasty bunnies. Like he's, he's in that 40 inch vertical category. Like he, he can jump out of the gym. Uh, I think the Damon CJ comp is probably a bit much. Um, I, because I, he doesn't have the playmaking skills. I would go more towards my boy, Donovan Mitchell. Like I love, 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 love Donovan Mitchell, but he is yes, not, he is not the playmaker that Dame is. Okay. Um, now he can operate out of the pick and roll, but he's more about getting buckets, but he also plays defense. Um, so okay. if Simons can add the defensive side of the game to his game then I think it, that's the more likely comp. But I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be a, a near all-star franchise caliber guard. Um, but I think if you're talking about a comp, I think it's more about Mitchell's play style than it is Dame or CJ's. Because Dame and CJ, while they don't get the credit for being playmakers, they are much more um, crafty in the pick and roll and, and able to set themselves up or set up their teammates than Simons is at this point in his career. As for Gary Trent Jr., we talked about it already. He is a lot like Crab, um, and he is more athletic. Like he right now, he's probably bigger than Crab, size wise. Mm-hmm. Like he's a big dude. He the, the kid is built, and you can see it on him. Like he he ain't built like his dad because his dad was 
built like a bodybuilder. His dad was a massive. For anybody who doesn't know or doesn't remember or didn't what wasn't really watching the Blazers when Gary Trent uh, Senior was playing, just go Google a picture of Gary Trent and look at how big he is, and you're like, oh, okay, now I see where the kid gets it from. Um, but yeah, I, I think very much Crab asking his game. Um, so if he, and here's the thing at number 37, if he turns into crabs production offensively and the Blazers mm-hmm. don't overpay for it, great job. <laughs> Fantastic job. And like, I, I know I've kind of poo pooed on, on Olshay here throughout the, the, the podcast, but his ability to find talent in the second round is probably unmatched. DeAndre Jordan, Alan Crabb, Will Barton, like he has found guys to be high level production guys in the second round consistently over the last few years. Like that's that's not an easy task. So if he again, if he turns into Alan Crabb, great, grand, awesome. But the the key is is to develop on the defensive end to enough to be passable, and then to retain that talent without paying through the nose for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, we did have one last question. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. it is from uh, Corbin Smith, and he wants to know who is more daddy. Evan or Myers? Mm. I think there's a joke in there, but I'm not sure. It goes over my head, but I'm going to take it super literally. I don't know which one of those guys, Evan or Myers, is more ready or likely to be a father. But I did think about it in terms of who do you think Dame would most likely let babysit? Would be like one way we could look at it. Who do you think that um, <laughs> is more prepared to like take care of a little baby for a little while, Evan or Myers? And I would go with Myers because I think he would be awesome at it. And just so many weird things always happen with Evan Turner that I would just kind of be wanting to be like, yeah, I think we'll let Myers babysit and I just, Evan you can just do your thing <laughs> I, I just picture Evan Turner as like a modern era Uncle Buck <laughs> you know yeah it just with the baby like in the Rolls Royce or yeah, the Bentley exactly. or whatever exactly like if you follow Evan's IG as opposed to Myers Leonard's I think if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna have one of them be the the right. babysitter I think it's a pretty if safe you assumption your child to show up in an IG story <laughs> whose would you rather have it be I, think, I mean if you want your your baby to, to live in the uh the bachelor lifestyle then you you send him home with Evan if you want him yeah. to, to be the uh, more traditional family atmosphere, I think you we go with uh, Myers and L. Like I, I think that's just probably the safe assumption at this point in time. Um, not only that, I'm sure if they were with Myers, they would have a very healthy meal set and spend a lot mm-hmm. of time in the gym. Um, I think if with your Evan Turner, they would have the, the child would develop a quite uh, exceptional fashion taste. Yes, they so, have little silk robes and little fuzzy slippers. Oh, yeah. That baby be balling <laughs> from day one. So um, there, there, are, there are yes. certainly positives to take from, from both. Yeah, yeah. I, I think either could provide different unique aspects of Joint of custody. Fatherhood. Joint custody. That's what you do. A little bit of time with Myers, a <laughs> little bit of time with Evan. Yes. Well, we should wrap it up, but not without an update on our boys. Our five gaming boys. Undefeated. Sweets. Sweet, sweet boys are my favorites. I am so glad for them. Okay, I have to recap what happened this weekend. This weekend, their undefeated record, well, Mm -hmm. undefeated in the regular season because they did win, they did lose that one game. They lost the title game in the opening tournament. But this weekend, their uh, undefeated was, it was on the line. And they were down in the third and down in the the, fourth. uh, Warriors team, who is like the worst team in the league. Mm -hmm. And they, 
did not bring it. No. The Blazer 5 gaming guys, like I was looking at the little inset pictures of them and they look tired. And frankly, they look like they'd been up all night playing video games. But they struggled. They were behind. They were behind in the first quarter. They were behind at halftime. They were behind in the third quarter. And I was like, no, you guys, this cannot be the first game that you lose. Cannot be the against Warriors. the Warriors <laughs> Don't gaming. Don't do this to me. And they pulled it out. Thank God. And it was awesome because Blazer 5 Gaming, everybody should check it out. It is exciting. And their games are super short, too. You don't even have to commit, like, a lot of time. You can, like, I sat there, and I think I washed the dishes and, like, cleaned the kitchen while I was watching the game. So everybody go out, watch some Blazer 5 Gaming. They're going to be playing, I think, again this weekend. Yes, and uh, I'm fairly certain I sent you the link to the uh, One Wild Walnut uh, Trash Talk Reel. The Trash Talk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And he, he was... He, I'm glad they kind of put that together. We highlighted that last week. Um, you know, they, they're running. They're they're getting yeah. it done. And I, I love, like, if for nothing else from pure entertainment value, when 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 him and uh, Mama, I'm that man start chirping, it's, mm-hmm. it's high comedy. Because you can see right. them well, just completely getting under the skin of the other guys. And for those of you who have never been close enough to the floor or haven't like really heard a mic on an NBA court, this is about as close as you think you'll you get to like hearing some of this. The the back and forth, the the trip, and I'm really glad that the guys at Blazers Gaming and, and 2K Gaming are sharing this stuff. This kind of goes right in line with the video that surfaced, like was it two weeks ago of the of the MLB umpire and the argument between the uh, the uh, at the Mets game. Um, like you kind of get the, the peek behind the curtain and hear the quote unquote language used between mm-hmm. the two. And I, I think this is a, again, this is the NBA. So it's, it doesn't surprise me. It's a very, very brilliant idea to, to put this stuff out there. Um, because I just, well, I think the it's, it's contrast great was amazing because the one that you sent me of all of their trash talking was from the previous weekend when they had played the 76ers uh-huh. gaming, which was the only team that has beat them. Um, and they were like totally up for that. This week, they were silent. There was little to no trash talking, and they had like big circles under their eyes. Like, Mama, I'm Dat Man. Like, really looked like they hadn't. Like, they he looked like he hadn't slept. I mean, they were just. I think they had flown in like really late or whatever. But like, they were not talking. But uh, when it came down to it at the end, it was fun to watch them put it together because they were just like, no, we are not going to lose this. And they started to talk a little bit. But, I mean, that's why they weren't winning. It's because they weren't talking and communicating until the very, very end. But it was fun. I just got to get my plug in there. Everybody go watch it. It's so fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely great. And, again, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, check it out. Head over to Twitch. You can watch some of the replays. Um, and, like, nobody's told us that we need to push Blazer 5 Gaming. No. It just happens to be so fun. <laughs> yeah, you, like, coming into this, you weren't aware of really how this whole thing worked. And, like, no. whether it was worth watching or if it was fun or if it's entertaining. It's, it's again, it's not going to be for everybody, like, like anything else out there. But if you're looking for something to just kill some time and have some fun and enjoy watching... I, I, I think and it's watching worth Portland time. dominate yes. and destroy all the other teams. That's the part that I particularly like. It's, it turns out I do like watching winning. I to, it's so great that lot. we've had this argument for so long that it, like 
Seriously, you will enjoy winning once you get it, Tara. You will seriously enjoy it, and you will crave it, and you will trash talk, and you will enjoy it, and it'll embrace it. it, it, it well, I certainly want it for my uh, electro, my esports team. Yep. See, now I'm telling you, if the Blazers ever get to that point where they're just stomping everybody and talking trash, you will love and embrace it. So I would never yell at real people like I'm yelling at the <laughs> I guess there are real people behind those too. I should probably take it easier. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up for the evening. We've got a week, almost exactly a week left until free agency starts. My guess is that absolutely nothing is going to happen. It's going to be D E A D until LeBron makes his choice. And then it's going to be like, everybody's going to like all of a sudden just have to like jump into action. But up until then, it's going to be dead quiet. One thing I think that would be hilarious is if like tomorrow LeBron was like, Oh yeah, I'm signing. I'm staying in, in uh, Ohio. I think that would be so funny because everybody would be so caught off guard thinking that they had like two more weeks to figure this out. (laughs) I just want him to mess with people. I just love it. when He's going to take a sweet time. Next time we could hope for it. It'll be free agency season. Yes, and thank God because I just I, I just want to know what this team's going to look like going forward. At this point, that's, that's really more than anything. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can also email us at BlazersEdgePod at gmail.com. Dan, why don't you take us out of here? All right, folks. You can find me on Twitter at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Uh, on Blazers Outsiders on Tuesdays and Thursdays, game nights coming into the season. We'll have some changes and surprises for you guys to check out. More on that once I get the clarification. Go ahead from time, July 12th, if any of you are baseball fans, the Blazers Outsiders will be out at the Pickles game for, for Blazers night, and we'll be throwing the first pitch and broadcasting live from the park there, so that's something cool that's coming up here for the summertime. Uh, other than that, uh, just kind of grinding until free agency, folks, so if you got questions between now and then, make sure to send them our way, uh, either to Tara or to I. Um, like us, find us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Megaphone FM, Almighty Baller Podcast, and Radio Network, everywhere else for your podcast needs. Until next week, folks, we will catch you then. See ya.